Hello and welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for October 2nd. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickraft. This is a new month. Every time we, we tick over into a new month, it feels like, wow, we're still doing this this gorillas podcast. It's been we're a real journey. It. It's been a real journey. I, I can't wait till next month when we um you know we get to we get to make a little fandom joke. I know. Very exciting. We you know, yeah. we won't telegraph it too because we want it to be a surprise. Okay, it'll feel very spontaneous, <laughs> even though I'm already thinking about it. Countdown to that joke yes. begins today. I'm this is actually I'm very glad to be doing this with you today, Trevor, because it's been sort of a stressful, hellish week for me and getting together with a with a fellow adult man to talk about my favorite cartoon rock and roll band when will we get here distraction from my real life which uh i'm homeless right (laughs) not really i told you you should have had a place to live already when you moved well that was that maybe that was solid advice so i've been you you might know i've been living with my in-laws my wife and i uh we've been looking for a place in roseburg where she's working where we're moving and we paid the deposit we found the place, we paid the deposit, we're ready to move in, and then we found out that the tenant is refusing to vacate the premises. Who is this guy? Who does that? A monster. Somebody Something literally, like her excuse was, well, I can't find another place, so I'm not leaving. You should do what my two ex-roommates did. Find a friend, get a Winnebago, and take it to Alaska. Exactly. And so in the meantime, so you know, obviously, we got to find another place, because the way that this works legally is like... There's almost nothing the landlord can do to get them out, and it's going to just be months of legal bullshit. Yeah, and Shelly's, like, ready to pop. Yeah, she's, like, in her third trimester, so in the meantime, until I find us a place to live, she's going to be, like, commuting two and a half hours every day to work, and, like, not great when when you have a writhing, living creature inside of your body who's like pushing on your bladder yeah making you want to go pee every five minutes it's what are what are the odds that uh by the birth you don't have a place and she ends up giving birth in like a little like a little stable at an inn because there's nowhere else for you <laughs> hopefully hopefully slim i mean i think we'll find something it's just so dumb and frustrating for it to happen like this late in the process you know? yeah i mean that's like a nightmare scenario for me but what enough of that enough of real life trevor what do you want to talk about i want to um i want to talk about some crazy shenanigans that the uh Halloween monkeys fandom has gotten up to because we received um i don't know what to call it we it's a 27 minute remix of dare called the death of ikrath remix <laughs> it's sort of like a, we received a manifesto yeah like I was gonna say, like a present, but it's more like it feels more like a threat or something. Well, the the title of it is yeah. you could read it one of two ways. I'm, I'm sure. glad that's something that will always come up when you Google my name now. I guess so, like uh, you know, future employers. So what is it? It's the Dare Death of Ikraf remix. remix. I haven't gotten a chance to sit sit down and like <laughs> listen to the entire half hour, but thank you to uh, No Fucks Given Cass on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, that's I believe Janie is Janie. the name of that fan. I think you mentioned she also submitted like a cover of uh, All star by smash mouth sure back when we briefly entertained the notion of doing a howly monkeys search for a star let's uh let's play let's play no more than 20 seconds of death to ikrath and then i'll crossfade it into no more than 10 seconds of the all-star cover right now for your listening pleasure I 
didn't hear that, but I'm sure it sounded great. I jumped around in the in the aircraft mix. It really goes places. Like if they she she really built an album. Whether you want to go to those places as well, we'll leave that up to you. <laughs> That's up to you, good listener. Definitely check it out. You can see it on our Twitter feed. I retweeted it. Mm. But the question is, death of aircraft. Does that mean like? A threat, or is that a, this will be the death of Ikra? I think it's what, supposed to compare mean? the like oral experience as some kind of like, you know, death of ego. Oh, I like that. Like when Jay-Z says kill Jay-Z, he doesn't actually mean kill Jay-Z. Right, right. Yeah. But all he, all he needs is one Mark David Chapman to misread it. The, the old know? Trevor can't come to the phone right now. He's dead. Hey, can you sign my Hallelujah Monkeys t-shirt, Trevor? <laughs> oh, sure. What's your name? Mark. Thanks. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Let's talk about the news. It's all good news now. And speaking of meeting passionate members of our listening community in person, <laughs> where uh, next week, Trevor, is the big, long-awaited Hallelujah Monkeys live episode. I can't wait. I'm so excited. We're going to meet up. We're going to have an adventure. And we're going to meet up with some of you guys uh, while we're there. So what we're going to do, rather than like pick a restaurant now and then find out that all of you are vegan or uh, pick a bar to hang out afterwards and find out that all of you are 15. I think what we're going to do is just direct the conversation over to our discord. So go to, go to discord.me slash monkeys with a Z and then join up. There's a little channel within there that says LA meetup. That's where we'll be chit chatting about where you guys want to want to meet up. There'll be a lot of opportunities. Cause I think, you know, Anything's on the table. We could potentially have dinner before the show. We'll be hanging out in the, you know, near the stage door after the show, and then maybe going out for coffee or drinks after the show. Who How knows? long are you going to be in town, Dylan? Uh, I think I'm going to be there from like the fourth until probably I don't know Sunday or something like that. I've got family and friends down there that I could be saying hello to while I'm there. I suppose if you were particularly motivated to meet up with me elsewhere during that trip, you could also do that. Also, if you're like, if you're very obstinate about the idea of discord or you don't want to finagle with some app that you don't already have, uh, reach out to us. Hallelujahmonkeys at gmail.com. And, and we'll let you know what the plan is. Also, you can just like watch our Twitter feed as we get closer and closer to the fifth and you'll probably see some relevant details there looking forward though looking forward to seeing you guys looking forward to maybe you hearing yourself on an upcoming episode of how you monkeys yeah and if you can't find it anywhere on twitter or anything just you know look for two people that look like they're recording a podcast at the concert two two gentlemen of relatively the same height one of whom is rotund how tall are you are you how tall are you i'm like six two and a half okay okay you're a little taller than me i think i think i've got like half an inch on you or something i've got more than a half an inch of you horizontally <laughs> sure uh so if you see a one white man and then a, another man peeking up from behind him <laughs> maybe that's us just the top <laughs> just the top that'll be fun though i can't wait i cannot wait it's gonna be crazy i can't even imagine what that episode is gonna be like it's, it should be a blast though can't wait i feel like it's either gonna be really really good or a really horrifying time yeah and i don't even know if i'm gonna get it up that following sunday night or monday morning like i normally do like who knows how long this thing's gonna take to cobble together it might it might be a midweek drop who we'll knows? figure it out it's the season four finale and um our 30th episode or our 30th release. Yes, our 30th like RSS feed release, and, and what a wonderful way to, to commemorate 30 great uh, hit-filled episodes. 
it's really it's really been a time. But let's let's keep plugging away and talk about what's been going on with this band uh, over the past week. What a weird week! What a crazy weird week it's been. It's been nuts. Okay, so let's start with this because this is like the smallest story of the week, and it's still crazy and weird. So they're they're now using. You remember last week, Trevor? They had that alternate version of of submission. Yeah, um, which some speculated maybe grilling with his face, but yeah, they're continuing to do this. To, to what end, I do not know. But there's now alternate versions of O Green World and Every Planet We Reach is Dead has an alternate ending. They decided to kind of chop and screw things a little bit. Yeah, they're they're experimenting with this with this Demon Days material in a way that, like, I guess they never really did because the Demon Days material wasn't extremely played or toured. Right, and it was, you know, the, the performances we got were so technically honed in from a standpoint. It didn't really leave much room for like um, any improvisation or anything. But this has been cool. Uh, oh, Green World has like kind of a more drawn out ominous intro, right? Yeah, it's very spacey. Yeah. It's like there's a, there's a lot of negative space. The drums are like kind of like slow, tribally drums. It's almost got like and... a kind of like a cult chant vibe to it, which is very yeah. fitting for the track. I don't really the- like it that much though i think it's awesome i think, it's, I think okay. it's great i think i think if especially in a live setting to get that's such a treat to get something like that i'd rather when, honestly i'd rather kind of see them fuck with these old songs than not so like i'm down i've heard a number of live versions of O green world before and liked most of them but if i'm at the show and i get something crazy like this you know even if it's even if as a version of O Green World, it's an inferior version. Right. It feels special. It feels special and new and different. What I'm know? looking forward to, though, is seeing this um, alternate Every Planet outro. What's going on there? Right. Very interesting. You've got, like, the humans going, like, Every Planet will reaches. It's so weird. Yeah, and then they... Dead. <laughs> it's so weird. It's great. It's great. <laughs> they listened to last week's episode. I'd love to know how we get from point A to point B on that. Like, hopefully that gets played at our show. I can't wait. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to hearing, that, uh, that connect, you know? Uh, do you think we'll get it, or do you think they're about, like... Are we just going to miss it? That would suck, wouldn't it? Well, I don't know, because they've been playing both O Green World and Every Planet on, on most of the shows. And then last night, I think they just played Every Planet. Okay. I could live without O Green World. I will be upset if we don't get Every Planet. Who knows what we're going to get, dude? It's all it's all on the table. This is the Phase 4 tour. I was looking at um the last set list, too. They brought Out of Body back, which is very exciting. I was really bummed to see that dip for a second. So cool. The, the set list, I, no complaints. North America Phase 2 set list. We've been, been getting, we've been getting a lot of treats speaking of treats the g foot pop-up nice. store i i seem to remember trevor ikras saying why does why does new york get all this cool shit like la is here too where where's all our cool shit they're listening to the podcast now they've got to be they must be because the g foot pop-up store is coming it's the third and the fourth of october uh 5 p.m to 10 p.m it's at uh, 2514 daily street isn't that funny it is interesting <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you don't get the reference at home, uh, there was a there was a gentleman with some very silly hair once upon a dream <laughs> who was a member of this don't, band. Don't forget about those glasses. <laughs> oh yeah, also really dumb glasses. Forgot about his dumb glasses. <laughs> Do you think he'll be there? What if that was his role in Gorillas now, running the pop-up shops? You're just like, are you that? And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Daily. Now there's a name I haven't heard in quite a long time. Yeah, with the Ben Kenobi eyes looking yeah. way off into the distance. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm assuming you're going. Yeah, it's 18 minutes from my house, so why not, right? <laughs> I think I'm going to meet you there. I think I think we'll meet up. We'll, I'm looking for some socks. I want to buy some socks. It'll be a lot of fun. I heard there's going to be some you know exclusive to LA stuff. Maybe we'll get some of those really disturbing rust masks 
Ooh, that'd be great. If those are for sale, I'd be very tempted to pick one up and yeah. hang it in my, my child's nursery. <laughs> Let's. From, it's all bonkers from here. Trevor. Yeah, everything's everything's like everything's hitting the fan. So we had a big enemy interview this week with uh, with Damon Albarn, and like they do, they like to sort of throw up a couple of choice quotes before like the longer piece comes out. You yeah, know, to hype it up. Here's what we got: Damon is working on a new surprise Gorillas album that he is writing and recording as he tours. Hell yeah, that's the headline. Hell yeah. The, here's the quotes. So we got. He says it will be a more complete record than the fall but hopefully have that same spontaneity. I think The Fall is a pretty complete record. I mean, I feel like we've delved pretty deep into that, but I'm interested in seeing what he thinks is more complete, you know? I think I know what he means. And yeah. and I think that we've seen evidence that this process works. Like, I think Sleeping Powder is a great tune. I, and it hasn't really left the set list. He's been having a, no, a yeah. lot of fun playing it. Is he doing the rapping yet, though? I don't know. I don't know about that I yet. guess we'll see. I know he does. Tr- when he does Charger, by the way, so they, I didn't, this didn't make it into the news this week, but I just want to say that Damon said in another interview that he's still courting grace jones super hard to get her to come do a 10 minute long live version of charger on one of these show dates please let it be us let it be the let it be us <laughs> that's what i want grace come through so here here we got more quotes he in the interview he also talks about the future of the gorillas live experience he says uh we've been discussing ideas for a new kind of live show if we're going to do more with gorillas we don't want to wait seven years because you know we're getting on a bit we're excited but we need to get these shows finished first you never know what's around the corner my dream of being able to see holograms of real people on stage is close now that was the idea at the beginning we've been very patient and we don't have that long left what uh what how urgent he sounds here how urgent and excited you know we've been very patient and we don't have that long left that sentence there's a couple of ways to read that like i know yeah the way that he means it i think is like until the holograms are ready but it sounds like he thinks he's running out of time (laughs) especially because the quote starts with like we've been getting we're getting on a bit yeah yeah i I love how and i love how like (laughs) also really grave is like my dream of being able to see holograms of real people on stage is close now. Because he says in that one interview, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for the hologram. He sounds a little bit like a five-year-old boy there. like Or some kind of weird like sci-fi cult leader. <laughs> that also, like, until Cthulhu rises from the water. Yeah. But it is very funny, like, the, the urgency of, like, we don't have that long left. You guys, get these holograms ready. Deutsche Telekom, get these holograms ready. This is David and Jamie's last Christmas. Do you get the um <laughs> do you get the impression that Damon might be a little more interested in realizing the gorilla's characters than Jamie is now? I don't know, because we don't hear from Jamie that <laughs> no, much. We in never phase, hear where so is he? <laughs> it, it almost feels like Does Adult Swim have him locked in a basement or something? Is it like the reverse of phase three where where now Jamie is checked out and Damon's like but what about what's Noodle doing? <laughs> I hope. So Damon's just as upset about the rest of us that we never got that phase three conclusion. Yeah, maybe so. I'm going to tee up the last story of this week with the last quote from this interview. Sure. The last quote of this interview is, I really like the idea of making new music and playing it live almost simultaneously. Trevor, they debuted a brand new Gorilla song in Seattle. That's wild. How exciting. It's a thrilling Insane. time to be a fan. I didn't quite get a sense of what they were doing with the big screen during it. It kind of seemed like that it was it was shut off. I don't think Jamie had anything prepared like he did with Sleeping Powder. Right. There is a video, though, and we've heard a little snippet of the song, albeit at low quality. It's called Ode to Idaho, because it was... Ode to 
Idaho. You can actually hear the whole thing now. And in fact, you can hear it one and a half times because Damon played it halfway through and then he was like, sorry, we're fucking up. Let's start over. And then he started over. Do you think we're going to get that at our show? Do you think we're going to get a redo? I think either we're going to get that or maybe we'll get a different new song. Maybe. Maybe we'll get what he wrote in between Seattle and our show. No, I mean, uh, do you think they're going to fuck up and have to redo a song at our show? Oh, probably, right? I've I've seen Damon (laughs) Albarn three times now and i haven't had that experience it seems to happen pretty regularly though maybe we need to have like a bingo card maybe maybe you and i will work on our our gorillas live show bingo card that would be exciting okay oh idaho oh idaho is a song here's the backstory trevor uh the band stopped over in between the denver and seattle shows uh in ketchum idaho for the night at a ski lodge owned by bruce willis Right. And so this was, I guess, Damon was very struck by the kind of small world, you know, coincidence of that. And it moved him to write a song. (laughs) It's always a journey with gorillas. You always end up running into those folks again. They say that the creative process, you like, you inhale, it's like when you're watching and reading and listening to things, and then you exhale, that's when you become creative it's clear that we're in the middle of like a a david exhalation that's what it seems like let's fiddle with these old songs and make them into something new let's write a song about bruce willis's ski lines etc it's so great to have like an excited damon alburn at the helm of this project right now let's talk about the song though i've only listened to it well, I guess one and a half times because of the nature of the upload. Right. I didn't want to, I don't want to like burn myself out on a song before we get the studio. You yeah. Know? And I don't really even want to listen to it before. Like I'm able to hear it in some kind of more le- legible form. You know what I mean? I was happy to give it a listen in this form, you know, once through. Oh yeah. And, I mean, I have checked it out. It's a nice little song. It's kind of got a real country influence to it. I think Very he said country. that he wanted to write a country song. And, and it's got kind of a, I think that there's some interesting things happening in the chord progression. Uh, I believe that this is the first Gorilla song with any slide guitar in it. I think that that is a first. Cool. Cool. It's got some glockenspiel, very pretty glockenspiel. Kind of reminds me almost of like a California in the setting of the sun. Yeah, it's got that kind of a vibe to it, though mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah. And and then lyrically, there's definitely some weird stuff going on. He does name check Bruce Willis uh, early on in the song. So that's in a gorilla song now. Of stylo fame. Of stylo fame. Uh, and then I don't know, the the but the hook felt a little flat, maybe, like not super interesting of a hook. We'll see how we feel about it when the song actually comes out, I think. But the question is, do you think that we'll hear Ode to Idaho or are we going to hear whatever he's been working on since the Seattle show? That's what I want to know. Like I said, it feels like anything's on the table and I can't wait to find out. We'll see. Very we'll see. exciting time. This has been a crazy phase. Yeah. A crazy yeah. phase. All right. That's the news. We, we've got through it. We've been talking a lot about live stuff. Let's keep doing it. We're going to be talking about uh, Demon Detour and the band's phase three iTunes session. Hi, this is 2D, singer Gorillas, and you're listening to Gorillas Live on Y101. This track we're about to perform is called Dirty Harry. This is one of the first songs that we wrote for the Gorilla's new album. Is everyone ready? Hey, let's kick this mother out. We are here to talk about uh, one commercially released weird thing and one never officially released weird thing and uh, give our thoughts on it. By the way, Demon Detour was the pseudo tour, fake radio tour that that Gorillaz did uh, sort of in exchange for not actually touring the globe with the Demon Days material. We talked about it in Rise of the Ogre. So if you if you want to get up to speed, go back and wade through that episode. I think it was the second one. We're going to be looking at everything that we have 
in some sort of recorded quality from that detour. I believe it's 17 tracks worth of, of Demon Detour. Which is kind of like a little bit of a hidden treasure, I think. There's a lot here, that's for sure. I think it's I think it's wildly inconsistent, though. That's my take, anyway. Sure, we'll, I will talk, we'll get into it. My hot take on the whole thing is that pick and choose. And I don't know how it worked. Because the, the idea was like, whatever your radio station was, right? You got what, four of these? You had a four song set? Uh, were they randomly distributed like that? I didn't know That's that. That's what I want to know. That's That would be fun. Did the peop- did the producer get to pick their four, or did the band pick the four and send them out? I don't know the What's the, the worst that four question. you could get? Boy, I don't know. I think that version of Rehash is real clunky. We'll get into it. But <laughs> sure, sure. We got, there's, there's some clunkers in the detour and some gems. How did you feel? Because I, I was talking to you about it this week, and you were like, oh, I, rem- I have really fond memories of this of these sessions i do and i gotta say like i wasn't super in love with it anymore i guess i don't know a lot of it felt kind of serviceable but like you said there are some real gems here and i was very happy to hear them again so here's here's a couple of notes um apparently a lot of the phase one stuff are soundboard recordings all of the phase one stuff is a soundboard recording from phase one gigs i'm not so sure about the last three phase one tracks on that Trevor, I think those might have been a part of a distinct session. I don't think so. I mean, Slow Country is definitely live. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Trevor, but but here's the thing. That... It's it has they have a very different energy than the Phase 2 ones. I definitely agree with that, yeah. No mistaking that, that everything played from the original record sounds live and energetic and everything played from demon day sounds like how close can we get this to the record more or less with i think one exception maybe yeah probably so yeah probably so Mm -hmm. but but then that became the lingering question on both ends of this thing so on the phase one stuff i was like is this a session or is this live and then on the phase two stuff i was like how much of this instrumentation is live and how much of this instrumentation is just from the album is this damon albarn singing a karaoke performance over an album track that is the question (laughs) when it comes to these sessions it's how much of this is live and i think you can even ask that of a lot of the uh soundboard recordings from phase one usually it's it's clear and then some songs it's clear that everything is being done on stage but let's dive right in shall we because i think this is a pretty good song to highlight that kind of little distinction we got rehash starting out the set really killer on headphones in my opinion like the the live mix is really bassy and and swelly and kind of overdriven yeah and i think um i really like the way um the acoustic guitar sounds as well i like the way the acoustic guitar sounds but i just think it sounds like a mess like the it doesn't nothing's clicking together in the mix kind of kills it for me a oh, little bit oh when you said killer i thought you meant it was great no sorry sorry killer on headphones is in like turn this down to one third volume because it's giving me a headache well the sound quality on a lot of these is kind of funky a little bit a little yeah, bit yeah. I, don't, I don't exactly know the stories of all of these rips uh so that could be contributing to it but i mean beyond that it's wildly inconsistent how each of these performances are mixed sometimes like certain elements will be way back in the mix sometimes it'll be very heavy on your percussion and etc etc damon is often a little low too this performance of rehash definitely doesn't kick things off in a great way for me it's it's not a highlight definitely not damon i like the way damon's voice sounds on this one and it's great hearing him launch into that falsetto live just kind of lift himself up there yeah that's a highlight of that track for sure i think the sitar and harpsichord parts are definitely being played from tape here right yeah i can't imagine phase one wise they would have bothered this song almost feels like half the um half like a studio overdubs and half live band i guess it's nice to have 
any recording of a live rehash at this quality, but sure. I just yeah. it, it like like it, when it comes to most girls things, I'm rather I'm happy we have this rather than not. Sure, and then I guess most of what I just said could kind of extend right into five four. Not a very exciting performance of five four. No, but the keyboards sound really cool here. I think they sound like extra deranged and sinister. I just remember like listening to this, thinking like, I wonder if Jenny Beth is going to do this again because that would be fun for her to to bust out her alternate of this you yeah know? yeah why do you think they play the she made me kill myself from tape i don't know i don't know why weird choice maybe at the end of this tour we'll get like a, a comp, like an ep compilation of all the weird alternate versions that we got of songs you know that like would the be Jenny cool by four i'd definitely the, be down for that little apple music exclusive or something come on boys that'd be sick yeah do that yeah okay here's where i start to to get here's where i perk up i love this version of Tomorrow Comes Today, Trevor. Yeah, I thought it was just okay. No, no, go back. The cast drumming is amazing. The I'm drum honestly track. surprised that they don't play the break here. Yeah, I guess so. But I, but more than anything, just like cast is being really playful. Like they, there's a very energetic drum performance on this version. He's often a highlight on these songs. I think when um, we first started talking about listening to these, like uh, you said, uh, if Cass is on the drums, it's going to be a good time. And there's, like, there's so much truth to that. I, I love him. As much as I love Gabe Wallace, I think Gabe Wallace is such a talented drummer. And I mean, obviously, the work that he did on the Plastic Beach album is, is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he plays Tomorrow Comes Today, he really sticks to the studio. Cass here is like getting real funky and it's very it's a lot of fun adding a lot of little textures and palettes and stuff this is the keeper if i'm if i'm programming a a version of the demon detour for my radio station this is a good mid-set pick for me i like this version of tomorrow comes today a lot like honestly i thought it was just okay i don't really love the guitar they add to it oh i like the guitar i like it it feels a little like kind of like epic in a way that falls flat for me I do like the really good, um, the melodica at the end is great. Melodica sounds really, Damon gets really to kind of go hard for a minute. But they're playing like weird little Damon vocal yelps from tape, which I think is weird. <laughs> yeah, why? Like, why? 2D like plays the melodica, right? What's going on yes. here canonically? Who do they think they're fooling? Well, you know, later in this session on Kids With Guns, I got a lot of questions like that. For I you. have a lot of, yeah, a <laughs> lot of questions when it comes to the phase two sessions, right? Uh, let's talk about this weird fucking thing. Yes, this is, I forgot about this. Clint Eastwood featuring Jamal Gray. Dude, I can't find shit about this guy on the internet. Really? I can't find anything about this dude on the internet. You didn't I, know, like you didn't know the he's the uh, he's the guy who dissed the CIA with Chris One. <laughs> really? Is yeah, he he's, was on this Chris One song. Oh, weird. Called um, I can't believe you didn't look this up. Hang on, he's on um this song called CIA by Chris Wan with Zach De La Rocha, too. Oh, crazy. Yeah. What, who the his, fuck um, is this guy? His, his, um, his recording name back then was actually Last Emperor. The Last... Here, I found him on Wiki. Here yep, he is. There crazy. he is. From Philadelphia, apparently. So this is definitely... We know for sure that this is a soundboard. This was a... Oh, absolutely. This is a performance, I think, from 2002 in San Francisco, I think, is where this traces back to. And uh, it's uh, it's something all right. I gotta say, I kind of like it. It's pretty, pretty enjoyable. He gets some good lines in there. He says, um... I break rappers up like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. And my favorite is, I fight to my death like Qui-Gon Jinn. It feels very old school to me. Like, it's very much a a self-boasting kind of reference-heavy 80s-style rap song, Mm -hmm, in a way, mm -hmm. you know? Why is this in the mix when you already have an amazing version of Clint Eastwood that you tracked in studio for these sessions? Like, some some you know some sometimes you want to make, mix things up. I guess so. But could you imagine if you're at this radio station, you get this Jamal Gray version, and then you're like, "Fuck, there was a De La Soul one, and we didn't get it." 
I don't know. Weird. Weird. I like it, though. It's a fun little version. It's such a little oddity, though. It's the version that time forgot. Yeah. The kid who dissed the CIA with Chris One. Yeah. Good for him. And Zach LaRocca. Uh, Punk is a weird mix, and there's not enough drums in it, and it's too fast. <laughs> I like this version a lot. I think this is the definitive version of Punk. No, I'm not, I, I disagree. I don't like this I version I like it a lot. I like them going, high school, old school, high school. Like, what's he doing? I don't know. That part's kind of fun. Then there's that weird trying to get you back refrain, which I think is really cool. It felt a little clunky to me. Like, like nobody really locked into a groove, I guess. Uh, I could see live, though, this this being really fun. But imagine if, like, this was on your playlist and, like, that version of Last Living Souls was on your playlist. It'd be like, this isn't the same band. What the fuck is this? (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah. Hearing these two little mini sets up against each other was... Kind of a lot of fun like that, I think. So then we gear shift into this like dub reggae section of these songs. Yeah, things get a little moodier now. We got a soundtrack. It's a very pretty Damon performance. Um, when the beat drops, it sounds like chaos. It doesn't really sound like anything to me. It sounds like one big brown sound. Yeah, they do really pull off that little drop in the middle, though, when everything goes out. That's really good sounding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's some live backing vocals behind Damon. And definitely live Junior Dan bass, although it is a little low in the mix, right. but it, but it's definitely live. This song feels pretty good fleshed out with full band arrangements. I like this whole next run of songs, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, they're all very good. In fact, uh, maybe my favorite of the Phase 1 performances is up next with Starshine. Do you have a top three on these, by the way? I what I did instead is like I picked my four that I would want to be played on oh, my radio okay. station. All right, I'll do that you know? too. So 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 far we have tomorrow comes today, and then definitely I'm adding Starshine in. I love this version of Starshine. I this to me sounds more in studio than anything else so far. Like it sounds a little bit more intimate than any of the other Phase One performances. Uh, and the and the production of this like slightly sloppier live version like almost sounds like a scientist record or something to me like it sounds much more like live reverb that hasn't been sort of fussed over in a studio you know i feel like they could have almost gone more dub with this one and really kind of drawn it out and jammed on it i think that would have been really cool in fact there are a couple of girls songs that i would like really love to see get that kind of treatment where they're just kind of extended and they get to vamp over them a little bit it's always like, you know, the moodier reggae ones like this. They've sometimes started doing that with Sex Murder Party and, and done like 12 minute versions of it. So, you know, it's not everything's possible. Yeah. Haven't we like joked about that on the show forever ago? Do you remember that? Yeah. Unlike multiple occasions. Like <laughs> if like forget O Green World, I really would love to see that happen at our show. It kind of feels like Damon is sort of as big of a Jamie Principal fan as you and I are. <laughs> as he should be. <laughs> I love this version of Starshine, though. I, it's got this really, like, sudden, unexpected, like, guitar noise section in the middle of it that I really like. The guitar uh, sounds great here, yeah. I love everything about this. I think Damon's performance is really good, too. It just feels like uh, like a more organic, kind of spontaneous version of the album version. And um, I love that ascending melodica part they add to the end. That makes for a really cool finale. That's sick, too. That is yeah. really sick. I love mm-hmm. that. Uh, I don't know about this version of Slow Country. I think it's there's some really good stuff in it, and there's some stuff that's a little uh, about it. Dylan, this is my like favorite Gorillaz recording of all time. Are you kidding me? Nope, okay. I love this. I think it is beautiful. I think the energy is perfect. I think the arrangements are like breathtaking. 
just really love everything about this. Okay, I want to join. The, I want to join the love fest. So let me just okay. get like my two nitpicks out of the sure, way so I sure. can join the love fest. I think Damon's a little bit too shouty in the in the verse vocals, mm. and then the vamp, the the weird organ, you know, that that one dude skanked over, toasted over, mm-hmm. is so quiet. It's so far back in the mix. The, I could use that a little louder though. But for the most part, this song feels so much more present live. Like the album one has kind of almost like an ambient feel to it. Like it's a little nebulous, a little floaty. Here it sounds more like a fleshed out pop song. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, this it almost sounds more gorillazy than it does on the record here in a way. Also, the outro has like a totally cool like alternate piano piece to it where like it's so pretty. It's like my favorite. Like the whole last half of the song is like my favorite stretch of music in the gorillas catalog really interesting damon falsetto too really beautiful interesting damon falsetto. i love when he goes like i love you that's so, so good. good so good like all of all of his vocal ad living is so good he like he really goes for it at the end it's just, i love that um guitar they add in the choruses too that kind of mirrors the piano yeah yeah that's that's a, a cool moment too i wonder is any of that stuff present on the ddd dur version of this i, I went back remember. and listened to it um it's Pretty similar arrangements. He, um, I don't like the way he he goes like woo woo, and I don't love that. That's not here. Great. He like um kind of hits it a little better. And there's a uh, the Didi Der one actually has a really long extended outro too. Do you remember that? Kind of. Yeah. I can't wait till we talk about that release too. Like that, I feel like that's a future episode when we when we do the full two disc Didi Der. More people need to kind of know about that as this oddity in the very yeah i had never heard of it until we started doing the show it reimagines it reimagines like blur gorillas mally music everything as like chapters in the damon albarn story in it's a, a way that's yeah, very it's interesting. an interesting little showcase one more thing i really love the little count-ins cast does with his drumsticks on this one yeah he does a few during the song it's great he? it's lovely everything about this is good Way to go, boys. Dracula, this would be a sick song for them to dust off on this tour, in my opinion. Absolutely. Like, that would be so and this is another one where I would just love to see it stretched out and then, like, fuck with it. I would say of the of the dub trio here, or maybe quadrilogy here, Soundcheck, like, doesn't quite place. For me, like, Starshine took gold, Slow Country took silver, and Dracula took bronze. But there's some really, really interesting stuff happening in Dracula, especially that ending. Yeah, the ending is really cool. And let's talk about the beginning, too, because we get a kind of extended intro. Yeah, it's got, like, some noisy, creepy, creaking and trickling. and, and Yeah, and then the ending where we get this really kind of... Whoa, whoa. Yeah. It's like a shockingly dark note for a gorilla's live performance. Like Very doomy. Yeah, like, Damon sounds weirdly vulnerable, and, like, everything around him is, like, hitting this really minor, ugly scary chord and like this is like uh this is like end of part one of rise of the yogurt kind of vibe no very yeah. very interesting it's it's a it's a it's a feeling that damon doesn't really pursue often in his live performances like damon looks for his live performances usually to be kind of exaltation and joy and sunshine and power you know this would be like a cool main set closer or something before the encore you know and we get that kind of spiritual rebirth afterwards yeah, that'd be great, right? Who's yelling that thing about a rude boy? I don't know. <laughs> I really hope that's Damon. I really I, hope that's you. It could very well be. I'd like it to be. Because I mean, if he's gonna if he's gonna be audacious enough to make white man reggae music, he should be audacious enough to scream that. <laughs> sure, sure. 
So that's the phase one material. Now we're onto the uh, now we're onto the proper demon detour. Could we call this one a phase one point five song then? The the Clint Eastwood De La Soul Booty Brown version. Sure, I love this. This is great. This is this so is cool. Great. Sometimes I like it just as much as the original. I mean, obviously, there's no touch in the original, but this is like really good. The only asterisk I'll put next to to this is. Like, I want to wait until we have a studio version of that Little Sims version of Clint Eastwood, because it sounded like she did some fucking really wild shit with that song at Demon Days. Mm -hmm. But both of these verses are crazy and great. They're both so good, and they're so, like, indicative of the Phase 2 vibe, you know? I think seeing this version of Clint Eastwood perfectly highlights how things have changed. Like, it sounds darker, the guitar's a little more vicious... And De La Soul and Booty Brown both turn these like really kind of dark and dire verses. Well, how about how Booty Brown starts his verse off by going, uh, I purchased me some bracelets to protect my wrists. I hid that rope. I flushed those pills. Like, yeah. are, are you okay there, Booty? What's going on, buddy? Yeah. And like De La Soul's like verses full of like snakes and like stabbing Caesar imagery. But then later on Booty's verse, he does say that he feels like Superman and that Kant has no place in his vocabulary. So maybe he just has like bipolar two and he started off in like a suicidal place and now he's manic. It could be that. He's a real go-getter. I like Booty here though. He's muted. He's not, he's not doing his shout. It's the perfect he's, level uh, of energy. Really good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I mean, I love that De La verse. I think that's mostly, is that mostly pause? I think so. Caesar got stabbed because he was a biatch. G up. Run, Joe, run. There are criminals behind you. And of course, the shout out to Dell. Uh, how I wish my brother Dell was here. Still in discussion question. Yeah. You ever notice that uh, if you space out the letters in De La Soul a little differently, you get Dell a soul? <laughs> Mind blown. Mind blown. <laughs> really makes you think. How come they don't do this version anymore? Because De La and Booty are almost there. there. Oh, man. Can you imagine if they pulled this out? I would die. I would die. I would die. I'd be so excited. I'd be, at this point, considering how how we've had like four or five stops from Dell himself on the tour, this would feel like more of a gem at this point to get this version I would, live. I would love it. This one also um, got an official release on the Dare single, I think is worth On the noting. Dare single, right. Yeah. One of two songs from these sessions to get one. That's how we kind of understand the personnel by looking at the by looking at the credits on that version. And and as you might imagine, it's basically the, the same live band as the Manchester. You got Cash Brown on drums, Morgan Nichols on bass, uh, Mike Jones, of course, always there, et cetera, et cetera. So then we get into the demon days material with the last living souls hmm hmm trevor you're not a fan of this one i'm suspicious about this one because a lot of it a a lot of it sounds suspiciously like the album version like the album version yeah yeah so what's going on here what's what's going on here? (laughs) What, what went down in that studio i feel like i feel like we're hearing a, a little bit of David Alvar karaoke here. <laughs> a little, a little bit. There's some live stuff going on, right? Are there? There are some cast drums on this one. But right? every now and then, during transitions, like you know, the synths will like synth parts will fade out the exact same way they do on the record, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some of the some of the drumming sounds like it's the programming from the album, and then it sounds like there's some live stuff maybe later in the song. It does have a little bit more energy than the um, than the studio one, I think. I think part of that just comes from Damon's performance, though. Oh, one thing I know that is live for a fact. I'm pretty sure they just make that whistling noise oh, yeah. like with one of their mouths. I, is that what that is on the record? I always thought it was some kind of sound effect. But here, somebody's just going like... 
And it sounds it sounds close enough to the record that it wouldn't shock me if that's what was happening on the album, maybe with like some affecting going on. Yeah. But yeah, I also had that experience where I was like, is that what they're doing on Demon Days? Maybe. I have no idea. I, I will say, I I really miss the way they used to perform this song live. I'm not thrilled with the vocal delivery Damon's chosen to go with for in uh, the phase four shows. No, but this is always a, a fun surprise because you never know what crazy lyrics he's going to make up for it. That is true. I really love hearing him go, and you know me, at the end. Yeah. Like, I love that every time. I think he started doing that in the in phase two, and it's yeah. always stuck with it. It's funny. It's always fun to hear musicians like find new things in, in songs that are already committed to record, and then... He loves to do it. ...carry those new things forward. Next, we've got uh, Kids With Guns. Um, okay, so there's two versions of Kids With Guns that we're going to be talking about today between this and the iTunes session. We'll put a pin in it for now, but at the end of this, I want to know which version you think is superior. Okay. I think that the the instrument, instrumental here is, again, very mechanically similar to the album. There's maybe a little bit more stuff here that sounds like it was done in studio. Right, and of course, Damon live vocals. I really like hearing him sing this song live. Whenever he hits that... um. The turning this into monstrous chorus, it, he really sells it in a way that's like that makes me think like, oh, that's a really good part of a song. Yeah. But something to point out with Damon's uh, vocals here, weird. We get a little bit of an overlap at weird, parts. and and overdubbing. Like he also he also during the turning us into monsters, he's double tracked. So what's going on, boys? So weird. So it's obviously not the album session, and it doesn't sound like an alternate take from the album session. It sounds like Damon is just trying to blur the line between between live performance and studio session. Really weird. It's almost like he just kind of recorded like little alternate versions of the songs and those were the live ones, you know? Yeah, kind of odd. It, was this done at Studio 13? Was he just in the booth? I don't know. Weird. But you know, it, it feels like a lot of this Demon Days material feels like you might assume. Like, it, like material that a band has not really lived with on a tour yet, you know? Right, so they're just kind of playing it very carefully, very safe, not really a lot of embellishments or anything. Yeah, yeah. I think between The Last Living Souls and Kids With Guns takes, this one's a little bit more exciting, but they're kind of of a piece and kind of like a little bit shruggish, a little bit of a shrug for me. Yeah, a little, little bit. This uh, version of Dirty Harry is pretty cool, though. I This is, again, the way that Tomorrow Comes Today kind of took me out of the first two run of the Phase 1 one. I think this Dirty Harry version is really great. Yeah, it's got uh, so a lot of live live energy via those drums. Some cool interplay happening between Damon and the kids, like maybe a little bit better on the, than on the record. On the record, he, he gets faded out in that first uh, chorus, and the kids kind of overtake him. But here, he kind of sings with them all the way through for the first verse. What are they singing, though? Hmm. I wouldn't even hazard a guess. It always sounds like from harm to me. Yeah, I've I've actually st- kind of started hearing among. I still can't really hear it. It's sort of yeah. It's become like the the blue dress versus the gold dress of the gorillas fandom in a way. You Something know? like that. I don't think this one touches the Manchester for- performance though. I think that will always be the definitive version of this song for me. Yeah, but but I do think that this is an interesting glimpse at what Booty Brown could potentially do if he like was more locked into his monitor. <laughs> yeah, because he's I think this is a he does a very good job here dialing he it to the job. perfect level. Like perfect this level. may be like I said, the Manchester one is my favorite version of the song. This may be the best performance of this verse. I think including the one that made it onto the album. I agree, I agree. Because it it, it captures just enough of that live energy yeah. without without moving into the overdriven uh booty brown level that we're kind of have now come to expect from from our boy. Yeah. But yeah, percussion wise, there's just some really cool trading off. I think you I think you can definitely hear like 
both Carl Vanderbosch and and uh, Cass Brown kind of like playing different percussive parts and trading mm-hmm. off here. It's, it's really it's making use of that dual drummer setup. Really push it forward too. Like the drums are way more forward on this version than they are on the Manchester or on the record. So it, it definitely carries a different energy. Something I missed from the Manchester one was that they threw in this little sample every now and then of somebody just going, you ready? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like that. It really kind of puts it over the top for me. And it's such a shame they never really brought it back. Oh, my only problem is that I like the Chinese lyrics better. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course. Red packets. Bring them back. Red packets. Find a panda to hug. Yeah, get through the year with hugging that panda. Okay, feel good, Inc. I'm curious, Trevor, again, between this and the iTunes session, like, which one gets closer to passing the Trevor Ickrath live feel good, Inc. sniff test for you? I know that I know that you're not a fan of this song live pretty much in any permutation that it's taken. I'm re- Yeah, I'm really not. But here, I think it's perfectly serviceable. I think this is the definitive live version of Feel Good, Inc. Well, certainly the guitar is being played at the correct like album level. And it feels very bass-driven, as it should, and the drums sound nice and tight. The drums do sound very tight. Um, they don't do the um, weird little kind of vocal percussive noises that Damon is making in the intro, which I don't think we've ever talked about. The... Uh, uh, <laughs> the that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. They kind of just skip over it entirely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is weird, because it's such a... It was, it really, that part really struck me the first time I heard Feel Good Ink, you know? It always reminds me of like John Lennon Shoot Me's on uh, on Come Together. Yeah, very apt comparison. I, I guess I didn't necessarily miss them here. It's such a it's such a delicate balance to like play Feel Good Ink properly, you know? Mm-hmm. And they rarely pull, pull it off, but I think here it's, they do a perfectly good job. I'll give him this it, one. Trugoy sounds really good, but he's always so close to the record. Like he's always he is very, so I can't, close. Like sometimes I can't even tell. Is the laugh live? The I laugh think is, it is here. It's got different Maceo laughs, at least at the end of the song. It's a totally yeah, different he kind of draws it out a little bit. But but Trugoy's like performance here is like, there are times where you're like, is this the record? And then you'll hear something. You're like, no, it's not. Yeah, but, but he so, nails it. So close, yeah. so close. He's locked in. El Manana, again, I'm not sure how much of this is studio and how much of this was tracked for these sessions. Like, I'm, This one's real boring. Yeah, it sounds an awful lot like a karaoke performance to me. Just imagine the album version, but you can barely hear Damon. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I did go back and um, listen to that uh, Didi Dur version. I love that version. I know. I listened to it because I knew that you're, I was pretty, I was expecting you to bring it up and I wanted to have it fresh <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> right. It does, it does have that really nice long extended outro. I love that outro. Beautiful. And the strings are, are the, the string parts they arranged for it are really good too. Really gorgeous. Really gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Really works in the context of a Damon Albarn retrospective concert too. Like, definitely. Absolutely takes on all kinds of new shades of, of gray and meaning and uh yeah but this version is like totally a skip not interesting in my opinion are you looking forward to hearing this one live because i think they're still playing it right not really I don't, they haven't been doing much with it at least not since i've heard it yeah I, I don't need this one in this set like here's one that i'd love for them to give it the the oh green world or every planet treatment and like yeah something like that i'm surprised they didn't bring in the um extended outro from the solo performance yeah because you've got practically the same band on stage yeah. they learned that version plus you've got the humans who would really nail that that choral section too all alone is sick i love this version man this really is, i wasn't really feeling it yeah this is my number four flagged for my session for sure i love the huh. i love the weird fiddly guitar that's like much hotter than it is on the record 
Roots is still a little bit down in energy, but it's a good yeah, delivery. Yeah, he falls flat here for me. At least he does say um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Beautiful, Martina. I think Martina sounds like like chillingly gorgeous here. Yeah, she's good on this one. But again, I don't know. This one kind of just feels a little too similar to the album one and just not with the same kind of energy for me. There's a lot of live instrumentation in this version. Is there? Sure. Maybe I, maybe I got to go back. Yeah, you should go back. You should go back. Yeah. I, re- I really like this version, actually. This is my fourth. You're not alone in liking this one. I mean, the band must have liked it, too, because this one also got an official release on the Dirty Harry single. Why do you think Why do you think they went with All Alone? I mean, it wasn't like a single. Do you think maybe it was they were kind of testing the waters? Potentially. It, it could have been like a we don't, we're not sure what we're doing for the for the fourth single and let's see what people think of this but i it almost more seemed like i remember at the time when they were like throwing out some of these demon detour tracks uh, uh as b-sides feeling like oh he's he's we've reached the bottom of the alternate sessions from demon days barrel and they're just throwing stuff out so i don't know maybe it, it, it might have just been that like they felt that the instrumentation here was different enough to warrant a release and wouldn't like bear too much comparison to the album version i don't know i'm not sure yeah I would have, I, I would have like rather seen this version of Dirty Harry or something, and I mean that would have made sense. But next we get Dare. What do you think of this one? It seems like it sounds like Sean Ryder's vocals are being cut up to keep him on beat to me. It seems I think like, this one sucks. It sounds like Damon like went back and took the best it's coming up and looped it. It I don't know. It just feels very fiddled with. He sounds very sedated here too. I, I don't agree. know. Roses, Roses even kind of rushes at first. Like she's a little, she's a little off tempo at first too. Yeah, I don't know. This is not great. I don't like this version of Dare. Much. much prefer the Manchester one. It does. It does include the little outro bass. Um, yeah, that's that's nice to have in like studio quality, I guess. I still like the version of Manchester a lot better, even if that though. So yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not too exciting. So that's uh, the Demon Detour. So yeah, so you're 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 the program director of WKRTH, and you have to pick your four. What are, what? Are, tell me the set list. I gotta I gotta take this version of Feel Good Inc. I think. All right, go for it. That just makes sense to me, and I'm gonna snag that little uh, version of Clint Eastwood while I'm at it, just in case uh, you know you forgot who these guys are. And you know, I think it's a great demonstration of the new version of Gorillas in a context that people would already be familiar with. I like it. I like it. And I would absolutely grab that slow country. Right, yeah, of course. It's one of your favorite uh, Gorillaz recordings. My favorite Gorillaz recordings. And then it might be a toss-up between Dirty Harry and Punk. Interesting. So I like this version of Punk, dude. I really like it. Would you would you close your, your Demon Detour set with it? I think so. I think it would go like, um, I think I would go probably like um, Lead with Feel Good Inc., then Clint Eastwood, Slow Country, and Punk. All right. Mine, mine are, I would open with, I'm, by the way, my radio station, we're just going to say right now, WFLYNN. I'm, I'm going to say that it's like a, it's a cool college radio station. So I don't, I don't care so much about singles necessarily. Sure. And mine is K Rock. So like we, we play <laughs> right. like a million quotes in a row. Alternative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would open with that version of All Alone. I would move uh, straight into that version of Tomorrow Comes Today. I would play that version of Starshine and I would finish. With the De La Soul, Booty Brown, Clint Eastwood. I, that, to me, is the set list. That's the set. I think I would have to kind of rearrange mine now that I think about it. Lead with Feel Good Inc. Then I would go into Dirty Harry. Then I would do Slow Country, then close with Clint Eastwood. That's smart. That's the K-Rock approved method, in my opinion. T-Rock. Truck. 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 
Uh, and then we have this thing, this commercially available release that you could go right now to a computer and spend U.S. dollars and own a digital copy of right now on your computer, Trevor. Isn't that nice <laughs> that this is a thing that you can buy? It is. It even has its own weird, dumb cover art. Yeah. <laughs> now, is this Jamie with a vision or no. Jamie with a budget? I think it's, I think it's, it's guy who works at iTunes with a Jamie didn't respond to my email. At least he got all four members in there. <laughs> he did. There's you see uh 2D and Murdoch in the Geep. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm doing this for memory. I don't have it in yeah, front of yeah. me. Who's on the right? Uh on the right, I want to say is Noodle? No, Noodle's below them. Do you know what the artwork's from? It's is it her on the tricycle? It's uh G sides. Oh, G sides, right. Yeah. And then you've got I think just a big Russell face. I don't remember what you get from. a very, very, very close up of uh his profile from the Demon Days cover. And then in the bottom right they and kinda then have for a... some reason the bottom right you just get like the tower of plastic beach. <laughs> the fifth member of Gorillas. <laughs> yeah. And then it says iTunes session and like a big red band on it. <laughs> this is cool though. This is not it's nice that we have this. Sure, absolutely. Uh there's some things here that are weird though. Like Yeah, yeah. If the question was why are they playing me album instrumentals on the last thing that it's why are they playing me album vocal performances on this thing yeah yeah that's it doesn't work super well in some occasions either it's a persistent problem on the itunes session yeah so they lead with clint eastwood right pre-recorded dell mm-hmm. we get our but this is a really cool version i think it sounds very heavy and sinister they had this like kind of buzzing synth to the bass Interesting, for a really I, cool effect. They, they've done versions like this since, and I, I think I've heard you express some distaste for it, but does it kind of work for you here? Yeah, I can't remember not liking Clint Eastwood. Have I said that? I think the version on DDD Durr has this kind of grungy bass to it, and you were saying, eh, I'm not feeling it. But maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe I'm misremembering. Hmm. Here it sounds pretty cool. It's got, like, it sounds plastic beach aside. You know what I mean? It does. It does definitely feel like the Phase Three version, in spite of that that dumb pre-recorded Dell performance yeah, happening. Yeah, which is a shame. They couldn't get anybody shame. else. Like, like, come on. Let's see. Phase Three. They have the Kano and Bashi version available. There was that Snoop Dogg version. However, I want to remind you that Snoop Dogg's version of Clint Eastwood is just the verse from Drop It Like It's Hot. He just does the Drop It Like It's Hot verse. To be fair, I always like hearing that verse from Drop It Like It's Hot. I got a blue flag hanging out my backside. Only on the left side. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the crypt, the crypt side. side. <laughs> Just in case you're unaware. <laughs> that's what Clint Eastwood's about. Um, it would have been cool to have an officially documented version of the Kano and Bashi one. It though. would have. And we do have Kano on uh, on the DDD Dur, but not Bashi's is, is lost to history at this point. Yeah, it's a shame. I guess I, I just don't exactly agree with the idea of Clint Eastwood as an opener in almost any context. It just feels like a weird way to start to me. Definitely. There's a, almost a desperation to like the first thing you hear in a set of Gorillaz music being that melodica, like "Remember Us." Yeah, it's. But I mean, it is kind of organized like um, Demon Detour is, at least the version we got chronologically. So you got the Phase One stuff at the beginning, then they go into the Phase Two phase stuff, two, which is yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's Phase Three at the end. So I mean, I it's it. I don't think this is supposed to flow like an actual set. Yeah, I agree. It's just because it's because it has a commercial release, it makes the inclusion of these pre-recorded elements even more dubious to me. You know? Yeah, yeah. So then we go into Dirty Harry. So the kids are definitely not live. The kids are no. the kids are album for sure. And neither is uh, Booty Brown. It might be an alternate take because there's a couple of moments in that rap that sound like they're not 
the same as the album version, but like it sounded pretty similar to me. Only a couple. It definitely isn't live in studio. It's definitely yeah. not. You can tell because I feel like the band doesn't do a great job matching it. No, although there is like a cool the wah guitar is like much more present here than it is on any version. The wah guitar is really neat, and so is that synth sound they go with for the uh, little um, instrumental breaks early on. Yeah, definitely. Very definitely. phase three. I like that a lot, and the drums, drum machines, and like the clavicle sound cool here. Clavicle, clavinet. Clav, yeah, clavicle is part of your shoulder. Clavichord also sometimes. Clavichord. I don't know. The the Demon Detour version is absolutely the superior version. Yeah, 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 and like I said. Manchester one still the definitive one, I think. Still, absolutely. Still my favorite version of the song, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casco's really hard on the drums here. That's cool. That is cool. Although it's Gabe Wallace, I believe, this time around. Oh, really? Yeah, by now I think we've got Gabe Wallace as the as the drummer. Cass has left to go do whatever else. I, has not officially left the He was band. at the Phase 3 live shows, though. I thought it was Gabe. No, I'm pretty sure I remember people from like the forums and stuff meeting Cass. Maybe you're right. I know that Gabe plays on the record. Huh. I, I mean, I know he recorded like Superfast Jellyfish and stuff like that, but I, I distinctly remember seeing Cass, Cass with like a peacoat on. I'm pretty sure. As some smart listener will know, like, well, on these dates it was this guy, and on these dates. Yeah, I'm it was sure somebody will like push their glasses up their nose and send us a tweet telling me that I'm wrong. Which we all, we, we definitely do encourage. It's always good to get those itches scratched, even if you do sound a little bit self righteous when you do it. I love attention. Okay, feel good ink. This has got to be everything you hate about a live version of feel good ink, right? They don't do a good job on this one now. The bass sounds wrong. The bass is like bad. You know what? Bad. This is crazy. I don't mind the clean guitar tone and it being much hotter than it is on the record. I kind of like it. Yeah? I can kind of vibe with it. Sounds too noodly, too spidery. If the bass was better, I could vibe with it better. But I will say that whoever's playing drums here is doing a, a fine job. Eh. I like the backing vocals. I really like the backing vocals leading into the... Um... So um, you didn't hear it, listeners at home, but don't just stop the show for like two minutes to... Look up uh, this session EP on Discogs to try and prove me wrong about the Cass vs. Gabe thing. Discog doesn't know who played on this thing. There's no official credits. How would they? So what do you think about this version of Kids with Guns? Interesting. I like the second verse. It's almost the, clear the enough. The new verse he adds is pretty cool, I it's think. It's almost clear enough to transcribe. I, I think it's something like, on the streets, 95, bomb to the nation, still alive. Shouldn't we sit now because it won't be long? Kids with guns, kids with guns. Interesting. I like it. What happened in, what happened in 95? Uh, I don't know. Bombs? Were there bombs? Blur were just releasing Great Escape. That's true. That was that was the Blur versus Oasis here, wasn't it? Oh, was that were the bombs to the nation, the mm. mean things that Liam Gallagher was saying about Damon Albarn in the press? <laughs> Very interesting. That deep Damon Albarn lore. <laughs> yeah, the new verse is cool. Not like not a ton to say about this one. I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing Kids with Guns live now, though. I like the scary vocoded moaning in, during the outro. It's that, you know what it reminds me of, Trevor. That that weird moaning it sounds like a you know about the Max Headroom incident. No. It was when these weirdos in Chicago took over broadcast television during the news and like this dude wearing a Max Headroom mask like delivered oh, this I've heard cryptic about this. message. It sounds like that. Like rah, rah. it sounds it sounds yeah. like that. Yeah, and they never solved it, right? Yeah, it's un it's unsolved. They don't know who it is. I think the Nana Cherry part is really off though, isn't is it? Is that even Nana Cherry? That sounds like the purple plastic eating people kind of doing push it real to me, you know? Oh I Oh no, I mean um the vocal vamping at the end. Yeah, I don't know. Which is clearly played from the tape. 
I don't know. It sounds it sounds like it doesn't belong there. Yeah, it's not. They don't do a great job with it. I guess I will say I was expecting worse from that second half because usually, like in audio only, you don't expect the li- the second half of a live version of Kid with Guns to really explode, and this does actually kind of explode. They do a pretty good job with it. They do a pretty good job with it. It's it's like uh, between that and the and the Damon the new Damon verse, it's just like. This is one of the better things we've had on the set so far, but it just the sequencing is also weird to me. Like we're about to, aren't we aren't we here to promote the new Gorillas album? Yeah, and it's all at the back. It is pretty weird. It would have made more sense to go in reverse. Yeah, whatever, right? And then here we are coming up uh, with the with the beginning of the Plastic Beach materials. We have Stylo. This is such a disappointment to me, Trevor. This version of Stylo. Really, I love this. No, I love. You I don't love, like it? I love the Phase Three live Stylo performances, but this is nothing like those. It just doesn't. What, what don't What don't you What don't you dig here? Well, first of all, you've got most deaf from tape, and when he does it live, he does some weird shit where he like switches his microphone on and off really fast, and like does some weird shit where he can't like you know sample his voice like i missed that i i miss like the unpredictably the unpredictability of the live bobby womack versus it just doesn't have anything about the like live face reversions of stylo that i love this is to me this was a huge disappointment i'll give you that stuff but i think it is i really like having a nice tight officially documented version of the stylo phase three live arrangements i love the guitar they add i think the backing vocals are cool like, this song feels so much more fleshed out to me. And I really wish we got a version like this on the album. It's like 40% there to what I want this to be. It just it, yeah. it just doesn't live up to what I wanted it to be, you know? This is still a highlight from the sets for me. You know what's a highlight to me? I like this version of Glitter Freeze. Really? Yeah, it has a really good uncorking in the end when, when all the synths start to come in and buzz and go crazy. Like, I like the, I like the whole second half of it. The very end is cool where they add that guitar and they're just really high up there. That's neat. Yeah, and there's even like, it even sounds like they're bringing in some of the elements from the alternate version here. I wish they would, I wish they went a little more like with that than they do. Just like discussion question though. What is this doing here? I mean, Damon loves the song. It's clear. He's like, there's from the way I see it is there's one reason why you should play Glitter Freeze live. And that's if you actually have Marky Smith in the building to like do his batshit fall thing over it. I would be very here for that. I think I've used this podcast to broadcast my theory about why Damon Albarn insists on playing Glitter Freeze all the time. Can you remind me? It's that he genuinely believes that he can supplant Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter as the new song that gets played at every sporting event with Glitter Freeze, so that if he keeps playing it on tour, you know, somebody's going to hear it and play it at a Dodgers game, and then it'll be, he won't have to work again. Doesn't, they already do that with Song 2, though, don't they? He's already got his sports hooligan anthem. Song 2 is a jock jam, yeah, but I think he, I think he specifically, I think the reason that he he stripped off all of the interesting elements that are in the alternate version and, and left it to what it was is that he wants this to be played at a Chelsea football game. I don't think it's going to happen, dude. He wants to hear it over the over those loudspeakers. <laughs> Have you ever been to a sporting event? Yeah, sure. Plenty of times. I went to I went to a baseball game a couple months ago for the first time in like, this was my, the first public sporting event I'd been to in like five years. Hey, did you go to a Dodgers game? Did you go to the Dodgers? I did go to a Dodgers game. Did you get a Dodger dog? I, I did get a Dodger dog. I love Dodger dog. I got a hat too. And they played song two while I was there. So obviously somebody somebody there was listening to the podcast. Someday we're going to have Carrie on the show again and we'll do a live, we'll watch a Chelsea football game with him live and he'll explain football to us while we do it. 
I can't wait. Well, I mean, we got to cover that whole one dude's whole career, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2D's best friend. But I mean, how cool would a live version of Glitter Freeze be with Marky e. Smith there? Just like going nuts. <laughs> that Moaning. is like, that's right next to Fire Coming Out of the Monkey's Head uh, being led by Ben Mendelsohn yeah, for me in terms of live scenarios. And like, even cooler, I think, would be they do Glitter Freeze and then they launch right into Fire and have Marky e. Smith do <laughs> that one. And then, wait, and then they keep the hitch coming with a 15-minute version of Charger and then another 15-minute version of Sex Murder Party. <laughs> My ideal gorilla show. Like, I don't need any and of that. I don't need any of the big everybody. singles. <laughs> God. Four songs set, two hours, perfect. <laughs> that would change my life, Trevor. <laughs> what happened? What needs to happen to Damon Albarn for us to get that gorillas? Maybe what needs to happen is he needs to be told that the that the holograms are never coming. <laughs> he needs to suffer through a dark night of the soul, and then like I, another one. <laughs> yeah, and then like another one, the third one that he's like <laughs> gone through when it comes to gorillas. And then he's like, he'll play those four songs and then come out for an encore. He's like, here's a new song. I'm going to write it as I play it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new album. It's about Iowa. <laughs> okay. Then we get this really, really lovely version of On Melancholy Hill. I actually really like this version. It's nice. It feels a little uneventful for me. I really love the organ that kicks it off. The The organ tone is like the prettiest thing about this version. All all this, all like the electronics and the synth work sounds really cool here. It has a very nice buzzy quality. I even like the little wanky arena guitar stings that we're, that we're getting throughout that uh, are always sort of more of a feature of the live versions of the song. They sound really nice here, I think. I'm so glad this is a live staple now, by the way. I was really bummed to see this one. It took a long time. It took a long time for us to get here, but we're here and I'm happy. Like, a gorilla show would have felt like incomplete without Melancholy Hill, I think. I mean, I didn't love this one when it first came out, but it's really grown on me and is probably in like my top something gorilla songs. It it totally earns its spot as like the third song that everybody knows by gorillas, in my opinion. It's just like such a nice, it's such a nice, like competent pop song you know yeah it's just really good it's got some good vibes to in it in some ways it feels ageless like it feels like this song could have come out in the 1980s or the and without the synths maybe even the 1970s like it just got yeah. this really timeless feel to it yeah really 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 nice really nice moment on this little collection and yeah it, the avoiding playing it in spite of its popularity it just felt like such bad blood about phase three so i don't know it just feels like damon is accepting the past yeah yeah exactly yeah there's Very something nice. nice about that. Rhinestone Eyes set closer? I don't know. I don't know about Rhinestone Eyes set closer. It generally isn't a super good version of this song either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder who shouts Here We Go Again, though, because it doesn't sound like that. Damon. I hate that. <laughs> who is that? I don't know, but it like... <laughs> the the first... It, on, on the album, it's like tolerable. Here it sounds bad. Like it sounds super like cheesy and like, Here We Go Again! It's like, really weird. It sounds like it should be in, like, Hamilton or something. <laughs> the drums are also mixed weird. They almost sound like they're being recorded from, like, one room over or something. They're, they're like, I don't know, they're just, like, very ringy. It doesn't sound great to me. This one it also suffers from, like, feel-gooding syndrome for me, where the guitar is just too prevalent in the mix. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely, like, they're banding it up in a way, you know? Yeah, it's they're making it into, like, a guitar-led song when it's really not on the album. That almost sounds like it's kind of just being played in the background nondescriptly. There is, I kind of like the Rhinestone Eyes version that they played at Demon Days at the festival. I can't really remember too well, but, I mean, we'll hear it when we when we see them. Yeah, it feels, it feels like... 
without making any big choices, uh, they found a way to make the song work live better than it does on this version anyway. What do you think about Damon doing the That's Electrics? Uh, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. In fact, in a live setting... You know, the less you're doing from tape, the better, in my opinion. I guess. I think this song feels a lot stronger, like, when it's just an instrumental chorus. Like, I think that's very powerful here. But when I, when they had those vocals over the top, I don't know, it just kind of loses me. It'd be cool to get somebody like, I don't know, Kilo Kish to do it. And, like, yeah, have her that would be Do neat. it really weird or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got another 30 minutes to go on this thing, Trevor. Oh, 40, Jesus, almost 40 minutes to go. Oh, man. I f- you know what? I'm going to be honest. I didn't listen to the second half of this. Well, well then prepare to be taken on an, an oral journey. <laughs> I listened to the first half. Okay. So let's, let's start at the start. Oh, you're going to find that even though I did listen to the second half, my notes become less and less up to our standards of quality as we go through this. Great. So this is a little this is a little interview with uh phase three, Tootie and Murdoch, which is, mm-hmm. you know, fun. I'm glad we have this rather than not. It's the phase it's the closest we have to like a phase three version of Apex and Dury, kind of. Kind of. Because they do go over individual songs yeah. uh and they do recap music videos. <laughs> and they they literally just at one point start reading Rise of the Ogre for all they intents and purposes. Legit do. And and this time, unlike on Dury and on Apex, we actually hear the interviewer. And she sounds so bored. She sounds could not sound more bored. Very bored, very unamused. I'm just gonna drop in a little bit of, sure. of what this lady sounds like so you can hear. Hang on. Kids with guns. I mean it, it focuses, you know, on a very serious issue and the chorus reads and they're turning us into monsters, turn us, turning us into fire, turning us into monsters, it's all desire. And the music complements the lyrics with a temperamental and emotional vibe. Discuss what methods you use to create the music and lyrics that gave off this feeling. Just could not give less of a shit. Nope, nope. <laughs> really not happy to be there. Um, she almost feels like a character. Kind of, it, but maybe less so than the the ones you don't hear on Dury who have like really crazy questions, you know? <laughs> right? Who are those guys? I don't know. They're they're <laughs> they're certainly characters. Well, if we ever get Cass Brown on here, we'll have to ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna break it down by question. I'm gonna break it down okay. by question. The first question All is: right. How did gorillas form? And that's when um, Murdoch regales us all with the tale that we've heard before of him crashing in through the uh, window of the music shop, hitting 2D, how about, all that zany stuff. How about stuff. the fact that there's like a weird sound effect to go along with that? that yeah. Which never happens anywhere else on this thing. <laughs> Very weird. Jamie Hewlett at work. <laughs> you can hear like, you can hear the, the engine revving and a big crash. Yeah. Jamie just being like, we need to add sound effects. He, he literally plugs Rise of the Ogre, though. He's like... He talks about how great it is, and then he goes like, "I think I'll re-release it, maybe even update it," which never happened. Did that is it didn't. This wasn't around when it got like the uh, paperback release or anything. I don't think it got an update on the paperback. No. Did it? Wasn't who, it just who the knows? same? Who knows? I well, I'm know. sure. I'm sure we'll get a tweet about that and end up having to review another like couple paragraphs. One someday. good quote though. One good quote from this section is when Murdoch says because he's talking about his pre gorillas music acts, and he goes. Mm-hmm. I had this one band called This Show Has Been Cancelled and No One Ever Came to See Us. <laughs> Very good. Nice one, Cass. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. 
Uh, even even at his most homeworky, Cash Brown always fires off a couple of good lines. Then we got who or what are your individual musical influences and how do they differ from the group's influences? This is like a, an endless list of every band. Yeah, it gets really boring. It's every band. Like, I love listening to like these guys talk about the bands they like, but this gets really boring. It's just a list. It just goes yep, it just- on and on and on. You do get a little bit of lore here. Like they say, Russell's been missing for years since we played the Apollo in 2006. And then Murdoch confirms that he built Cyborg Noodle out of DNA that he correct, he collected from the crash site of the El Manana video. Right, right, right. Although I'm still not sure what he's what his game here is with Noodle. Whether yeah. how, how sincere he's being, how in denial he's being, like... The multifaceted shades of Murdoch Nichols. I feel like, I still feel like what happened was he lied at the end of Rise of the Ogre about them all being in on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. And he was a drunken mess about, like, having orchestrated his friend's death or something in yeah, the pirate radio episodes. That's, that's that the, checks out. That's the read that I like. We'll never know until Cass Brown tells us the truth. We'll never know. Cass, Come please. on the show. We're begging you. Come on the show. <laughs> What do they talk about next? Uh, how did you get started playing music, and what was your th- first musical instrument? Would, did, did, did like elementary school children write this interview? This is like, yeah. Yeah. what do you? What instrument do you play? Two D says he plays uh, keys and melodica. The best part of this though is when Two D says to Murdoch, "Sawed off you old goth." <laughs> yeah. He also makes a little jab that Murdoch can't play bass. Do you yeah, think he there's says any truth can't, to that? He can't play it, so we keep bringing in extra bass players. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting, especially considering how bass prevalent a lot of their lead singles are. I know. And then and then Murdoch says that his bass's name is El Diablo, and he got it from Satan himself. Was that in Roto? I can't remember. I, I can't remember. I meant to go back and check that blueprint page. Sounds like it could be. It I could mean, be. they just got done shouting at Rise of the Ogre. Do you think Cass had to go back and read it to prep for this? Maybe it feels, it feels like he literally went back and copy pasted a few things and then just did the rest from memory. Yeah. 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 Okay. Then next is like, uh, Murdoch, you have issues with 2d. How do you create music with him? If you can't stand him uh, one, this is just a very cast Brown move. So I wanted to point it out because at, when Murdoch mentions that 2d thinks of him as a father figure, 2d says in your dreams, Pedro. And that is a reference to a 1993, <laughs> tepidly received chicano crime epic called blood in blood out (laughs) kind of a staple of 1990s hbo programming and not a great movie but apparently that that line in your dreams pedro really really stuck with the calf brown weird is this where they fight yeah initially about they fought in the last question when 2d was like talking shit about murdoch and now they fight about paula cracker a little, yeah, they get a little. Uh, Paula Cracker gets a little mention here. A little, little bit of Paula Cracker. Mention about, uh, Paula Cracker. They, they get Paula a little, Cracker little, little tiff about uh, Paul Paula Cracker. Yeah, a little bit of a, little bit of a friends you coming say, head to head. You, you might say there's a little bit of a Paula Crack up going on. <laughs> so this is a little bit of an extended sequence. Yeah, like they they kind of stage it. It's like it's like audio drama in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get and we get into this next section, which is about the Free Tibet campaign. The interviewer mentions that apparently he was introduced to the Free Tibet campaign by Adam Yauk of the Beastie Boys. I think that's the first time we've gotten that little bit of lore, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any mention of that in Roto. Rest in peace, Adam. Yeah, I mean, one of the greats. One of the greats. But yeah, 2D answers this question directly after being ethered. Mm-hmm. He does. Uh, 
I guess they they reconvened much later. I guess would be who knows. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So this is the last thing I remember. After this, Trevor, it just becomes what is Clint Eastwood about and what inspired the song song title. Now talk about I remember, Yeah, I, now I talk about too, kids yeah. with guns. Now tell me about the creation of Plastic Beach. What's it like to work with Bruce Willis? Like my notes get worse and worse from here. Mm-hmm. I just I literally start writing like blah 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 blah. Yeah, 30, 37 minutes. You can go find it if you want. They literally recap, like, beat for beat, the music videos for Stylo and uh, On Melancholy Hill. So, if you wanted to know what might have gone into Rise of the Ogre 2, you could you could transcribe those, and those would have probably been chapters in it, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, maybe saying that they're going to update Rise of the Ogre, this was, uh, this was Cass Brown's little dig going like, yeah, that's never going to happen, but here's what we would have put into it. Let me grab two things, or maybe three things that are interesting from this, okay? Grab them. Um, I'm going to play a little clip, because I don't think I've ever heard a remix of this, but at one point, Nelson DeFridas, as 2D, sings the hook from Feel Good, Inc. And I, that sounds great. Play and it, play it right is, now. It's awesomely terrible. I'm going to play it dry, because ideally, one of you listeners will make a, make a new remix of it. So Please. No, no backing sound. Here's Nelson DeFrida singing the windmill chorus. So I started really with the chorus section and, you know, built it up from there. Windmill, windmill from the land, turn forever handy hand. Beautiful. Beautiful work, Great. Nelson. Way to go. Way to go, dude. Most death, apparently, in lore was, like, talking to Murdoch about the boogeyman and, like, gives us a little glimpse of the boogeyman. He says, he's a dark entity made up of all the evil in the world. He's a swirling black shadow with a gas mask for a face, and he is a war unto himself. And he ended up uh, living in their living room. Uh, And then the only other one is that there's a really great uh, description of Glitter Freeze. Hilariously, the, the interviewer says, I think Glitter Freeze is one of the most interesting songs on Plastic Beach. <laughs> I think a lot of people would agree with her there. So here's, here's they, she asked what was in your mind when you created the song, and here's, here's Murdoch's lovely answer. This is, some, this is some great Cass Brown writing, in my opinion. Okay. Rum, Rehypnol, something exotic from the Navajo Nation, a little tincture, and technicolor images of huge ships crashing in dirty, broken waves, the roar of the ocean smashing into angry, howling boats, black, harrowing gales spitting hurricanes against the shore. It's all chaos and madness being conducted by a toothless barking pirate named Marky Smith. That's what was going through my mind. It was my version of Fantasia or maybe some kind of old painting. That's a nice little accompaniment to uh, 2D's great description of Phone in Arizona. It is, As being yeah. like a ghost train voyage. Yeah, it's, it's like very similar, very similar. Yeah. And then also they do mention that Marky Smith ramrodded Plastic Beach, the island, in the lore. Marky Smith captaining a pirate ship, ramrodded Plastic Beach, and it was and it was a ghost ship as well. That's some phase three ghost lore. Ghost ships, ghost trains, Marky Smith, come be on the show. Mm-hmm. Do you guys use CGI? At one point, there's some like uncomfortable level of fourth wall breaking, Trevor, where like Murdoch says that sometimes he suspects he isn't real and was created by Jamie Hewlett and Damon Albarn. That, that I don't know how I feel about like that level of fourth wall breaking. I'm not sure mm, about that. Yeah, yeah, that's not very. I, I do like when he's like, you know, like, oh, I'm a millionaire rock star puppet and stuff like that. But yeah, that not seems great. like a, one step too far, maybe a step and a half too far. Mm-hmm. I don't know, lots of recapping. Oh, the, the, there is one bit where 
they're talking about how they make gorillas music videos, and then Murdoch says that he he films himself miming the whole thing out in his living room, and then he sends Jamie Hewlett a link and says, "Make this into a gorillas video." <laughs> I think that's how uh, Demon Days got recorded too, right? In lore, <laughs> yeah, in lore. <laughs> that's that's the iTunes session. It's a it's a commercial release from the band Gorillas. All right, so Dylan, we talked about we talked about the. The Manchester Opera House. We talked about the Demon Detour. We talked about this little iTunes session. Are you ready to see him live next week? Yes, yes. For the first time in my life, I'm going to see Gorillas live. For the third time in Trevor Ickrass' life, third time's the charm. Third time's the charm, and this could be the last hologramless Gorillas tour. So let's savor it. Yeah, they're they're, they're running out of time. They're running out of time, <laughs> and so are we. So why don't you speed through those? Uh, Speed through telling people where they can find us. Absolutely. You can find Hallelujah Monkeys on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Amino. You can uh, get at us on Tumblr. You can join our Discord at discord.me slash monkeys with a Z. You can uh, uh, send us an email to hallelujahmonkeys at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes, which helps us uh, find new listeners and let new listeners find us as well. And, uh, of course, you can go to patreon.com slash hallelujahmonkeys and become one of our patrons. Thank you guys so much for donating to help with the server costs. You are the coolest. Thank you again so much, and uh, thanks for listening. Next week live episode it'll be up at some point next week right maybe not monday yeah maybe maybe it will be maybe it won't be but it'll be it'll be sometime next week for sure oh, cliffhanger ending uh for now i've been trevor ickrath i've been dylan flynn until next week don't get lost in heaven demo very good <laughs> okay sean you ready sean 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 oh there we go oh he's coming around oh he's coming around he's coming around He's here. He's coming up, 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 he's coming up. It's there. Oh.